The grace and duty of being spiritually minded by John Owen, the preface. I think it is necessary to give the reader a brief account of the nature and design of the ensuing plain discourse, which may both direct him in the reading and be some kind of apology for myself and the publishing of it. He may know, therefore, that the thoughts here communicated were originally private meditations for my own use. In a season in which I was every way unable to do anything for the edification of others, and far from expectation that I ever should be so able any more in this world, receiving, as I thought, some benefit and satisfaction in the exercise of my own meditations in this, when God was graciously pleased to restore a little strength to me, I insisted on the same subject in the instruction of a private congregation. And this I did partly out of a sense of the advantage I had received myself by being conversant in them, and partly from an apprehension that the duties directed and pressed to in the whole discourse were seasonable from all sorts of present circumstances to be declared and urged on the minds and consciences of professors. For leaving others to the choice of their own methods and designs, I acknowledge that these are the two things in which I regulate my work in the whole course of my ministry, to impart those truths of whose power I hope I have had in some measure a real experience, and to press those duties which present occasions, temptations, and other circumstances render necessary to be attended to in a peculiar manner, are the things which I would principally apply myself to in the work of teaching others. For our, as in the work of the ministry in general, the whole counsel of God concerning the salvation of the church by Jesus Christ is to be declared. So in particular, we are not to fight uncertainly as men beating the air, nor shoot our arrows at random without a certain scope and design. Knowledge of the flock in which we are overseers, with the due consideration of their wants, their graces, their temptations, their light, their strength and weakness, are required in this. And when in pursuance of that design, the preparation of the word to be dispensed proceeds from zeal, for the glory of God, in compassion to the souls of men, when it is delivered with a demonstration of a due reverence to God whose word it is, and of authority towards them to whom it is dispensed, with a deep sense of that great account which both they that preach and they that hear the word preach must shortly give before the judgment seat of Christ. There may be a comfortable expectation of a blessed issue of the whole work, but my present design is only to declare in particular the reasons why I judge the preaching and publishing of this small and plain discourse concerning the grace and duty of being spiritually minded, not to be altogether unseasonable at this time in the present circumstances of most Christians. And a further thing which I would observe to this end is a present importunity of the world to impose itself on the minds of men. In the various ways of insinuation by this, it possesses and feels them. If it attain its end, if it can fill the minds, the thoughts, and affections of men with itself, it will in some fortify the soul against faith and obedience, and in others weaken all grace and endanger eternal ruin. 
For if we love the world, the love of the Father is not in us. And when the world feels our thoughts, it will entangle our affections. And first, the present state of all public affairs in it, with an apprehended concern of private persons therein, continually exercises the thoughts of many, and is almost the only subject of their mutual conversations. For the world is at present in a mighty hurry, and being in many places cast off from all foundations of steadfastness, it makes the minds of men giddy with its revolutions or disorderly in the expectations of them. Thoughts about these things are both allowable and unavoidable if they do not take the mind out of its own power by their multiplicity, vehemency, and urgency. Until it be unframed as to spiritual things, retaining neither room nor time for their entertainment. Hence, men walk and talk as if this world were all, when comparatively it is nothing. And when men come with their warmed affections, reeking with thoughts of these things, to the performance of or attendance to any spiritual duty, it is very difficult for them, if not impossible, to stir up any grace to a due and vigorous exercise. Unless this plausible advantage which the world has obtained of insinuating itself and its occasions into the minds of men, so as to fill them and possess them, be watched against and obviated, so far at least as that it may not transform the mind into its own image and likeness. Disgrace of being spiritually minded, which is life and peace, cannot be attained nor kept to its due exercise. Nor can we be any of us delivered from this snare at this season without a watchful endeavor to keep and preserve our minds in the constant contemplation of things spiritual and heavenly, proceeding from the prevalent adherence of our affections to them, as will appear in the ensuing discourse. Again, there are so great and pregnant evidences of the prevalency of an earthly, worldly frame of spirit in many who make profession of religion. It is high time they were called to a due consideration how unanswerable they are to the power and spirituality of that religion which they profess. There is no way in such a frame may be events to prevail in many, yea, in the generality of such professors that is not manifest to all in their habits, their attires and vestments, in their usual converse and misspents of time, in their over-liberal entertainment of themselves and others to the borders of excess, and a number of other things of a light nature. There is in many such a conformity to the world a thing severely forbidden that it is hard to make a distinction between them. And these things manifest such a predominancy of carnal affections in the minds of men as whatever may be pretended to the contrary is inconsistent with spiritual peace. To call men off from this evil frame of heart and mind, to discover the sin and danger of it, 
to direct them to the ways and means in which it may be affected, to supply their thoughts and affections with better objects, to discover and press that exercise of them which is indispensably required of all believers if they design life and peace, is some part of the work of the ensuing discourse. It may be, it will be judged to be but a weak attempt as to the attaining of that end. But it cannot be denied to have these two advantages, first, that it is seasonable, and secondly, that it is sincerely intended. And if it have this only success, it, it may occasion others who have more ability and opportunity than I have to bring in their assistance for an opposition to the and importunate insinuations of the world in these things, to have an entertainment in the minds of professors this labor will not be lost. But things are come to that pass amongst us, that unless a more than ordinary vigorous exercise of the ministry of the word, with other means appointed to that same end, be engaged in to recall professors to that strict mortification, that sincerity of conversation, that separation from the ways of the world, that heavenly-mindedness, that delight in the contemplation of spiritual things, which the gospel and the whole nature of Christian religion require, we shall lose the glory of our profession and leave it very uncertain what will be our eternal condition. The same may be spoken concerning the love of this world, as to the advantages and emoluments which men trust to attain to themselves thereby, this is that which renders men earthly-minded, and most remote from having their conversation above. In the pursuit of this corrupt affection, too many professors of religion grow withering, useless, sapless, giving no evidence that the love of God abides in them. On these and many other accounts, too many Christians evidence themselves to be strangers from spiritual-mindedness, from a life of meditation and holy contemplation on things above. Yet unless we are found in thee things in some good measure, no grace will thrive or flourish in us, no duty will be rightly performed by us, no condition sanctified or improved, nor are we prepared in a due manner or made fit for the inheritance of the saints in light. Therefore, as was said, to direct and provoke men to that which is the only remedy of all these evils which alone is a means of giving them a view into a, and a foretaste of eternal glory, especially to such who are in my own condition, namely in a very near approach to a departure out of this world, is the design and scope of the ensuing discourse which is recommended to the grace of God for the benefit of the reader, John Owen.